Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts 15. Last week we began this this message in verse 13 through uh, verse 41, and we made it about halfway through, and so you'll see, if you have notes from last week, you'll sort of see where where we've gone, but where we're going to be specifically, um, you'll see some notes there in the bulletin to follow along with. But this, this theme, this topic... And, and what I believe that we're seeing in part here in Acts 15 is the ongoing impact and uh, working of the Spirit of God and His ministry in the early church. And what does effective, what does influential, what does uh, ministry look like that actually uh, sees true transformational change in people's lives? What does it look like and how is it accomplished? We're not going to be able to answer that question today. This chapter doesn't answer that question fully. But I believe it does stimulate our thinking and does give us some very key biblical principles to, to help us to understand what effective ministry looks like. So uh, forgive me for uh, having one uh, sip of coffee, and it is not because I'm addicted, although that's questionable. For whatever reason, the uh, something got lodged in my uh, in my throat, and anyway, I think I'm better now. So, no more distractions. Let's begin with reading this passage, and I want to begin in verse 22 today, and. Read through verse 35. And as I read, uh, prayerfully just ask God to prepare your hearts that we wouldn't have uh, anything take away from what God wants to say to us today. Starting in verse 22 of Acts 15. Then the apostles and elders, together with the whole church in Jerusalem, chose delegates, and when they had sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report this decision, the men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barsabas, and Silas. This is a letter that they took with them. This letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greetings, We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives, along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols and consuming blood or meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. The messengers went at once to Antioch where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered that letter. And there was great joy throughout the church, and that day as they read it, this encouraging message. 
Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. They stayed for a while, and when the believers sent them back to the church in Jerusalem with a blessing of peace, Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. If you would just join me, let's uh, pray one more time and ask God to to do His work today. Father, we thank You that we can come before You, that we can lay our burdens down, that we can plead with You and ask that You would do great and mighty things in our heart and in the, the life of this church, that You would have the freedom to work and move. God, that we wouldn't hinder uh, anything that You want to do because of just uh, things in our own heart that is a distraction or, or sin that we have been harboring that needs to be dealt with. Father, I pray that, that we would be moldable, um, clean, empty vessels to be filled by you, to be instructed by you. God, I pray that this church that you have faithfully led and provided for over these 31 years would continue to be a light in this community and the surrounding communities. God, that we would have a greater impact for the name of Jesus and for your glory. God, I pray that you would lead us into this theme and this thought of what it looks like to be effective in ministry. What does it take, God, for the church to have an impact in its community in such a way that people are being saved and growing and being discipled and reaching out and serving and telling others about you and and seeing that multiplication occur. God, we pray and we plead with you that you would do that work in, in our lives and in this church. Help us to understand what we can't understand apart from your Spirit. And then help us, Lord, to implement what you have taught us through the power of your Spirit. So I pray that the time that we have remaining and the words that are said would just be of you and by the power of your Spirit for the glory of your Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So just a bit of review from where we were at last week. As we talked about and approached this subject of effective ministry, we, we talked about uh, what does it look like in the biblical principles that I think are uh, demonstrated in Acts 15 that would help us understand what effective ministry looks like. Very, very simply and honestly, I would say one of the most foundational things that any effective ministry has is its authority. Where is the authority of that ministry? Is it found in a pastor? Is it found in, in just uh, uh, any kind of worldly viewpoint and promotion and the latest and greatest craze that's out there? Or is the authority what it should be, which is the Word of God? Is the authority of this ministry the foundation? Is it the Word of God? Secondly, is it the Spirit of God? As we read in verse 28 this morning, we saw that it it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was leading the church leaders. And so, 
that any church that's effective must be a spirit-led, spirit-driven church. And, and I just I plead with you uh, to, to pray for me, to pray for the, the leadership, the elders and the deacons and anybody that is in any kind of a, a leadership position, and we all are in some ways, but that you would pray for one another to be spirit-led. I think uh, we have devotions, um, have a little Devo time in um, preparation of our elders and deacons meeting every month, and that's one of the first things that we do, and we pray for all of you. And I think for the most part, I would say at least 50% of the time, my, my devotional thoughts that I challenge the men with are in regards to being spirit-led in some way. Ministry can't be accomplished without the right authority of the Word of God empowered by the Spirit of God through the leaders of God. And so I want us to to not just know that and affirm that, but to implement it. It's, it's, It's so easy to believe those principles and then to go over here and sort of just do things the way that we want to do things or in our own strength and and maybe not uh, or forgetting to consider the word of god or be corrected by the word so it has to be the right authority secondly it has to be for everyone ministry must be about everybody it isn't exclusive to a certain club or a certain group of people that fit the certain model of what we have conceived in our minds Of course, Jesus dealt with that as He addressed the religious leaders of His day and the Pharisees were very exclusive. And He condemned them time and again. And we are not Pharisees, but we can be pharisaical today. We can be above other people and we can act that way and we can give that vibe. We may not even say anything, but we give this impression to other people that if you're going to be a Christian or if you're going to be a member of this church, and we have a little bit of a, you know, a nose up in the air, this church, then you're going to act this way and you're not going to do those things. And by the way, I'm not saying that we do that here. But I am saying that we must prayerfully avoid that and run from that anytime there is that sense that, that there's a superiority because ministry is for everyone. We are to reach those that that no one has ever even thought about trying to reach. And that's through the work of God. It's through His Spirit. It's through the Word uh, that changes and transforms lives. And so I want us to be thinking about that. I'll challenge you more later, but I want you to prayerfully start thinking about who is the everyone in your life? Because you can't think about the whole world. You know, uh, you That's good. Pray for the whole world, but let's condense it to your world, to those that you have contact with, your neighbors, your co-workers, strangers that you run into, whatever it may be. Think about that everyone and how God can use you to reach and minister to them. You see that that verse there that we emphasized last week. Um, It's Where is it? Let me just read it on the screen. I can't even see it. Okay, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord. And so this is the the point. The intent is not to discourage the Gentiles, not to discourage anybody, but to encourage them and to say, you too are welcome to come to faith in Christ. 
And don't let certain things hinder you. Don't listen to certain people that would tell you that you need to do all these other obligations and fulfill all these other duties and meet all these requirements before coming to faith in Christ. That is a hindrance. And you should put no other roadblock in front of them. It's for everyone. We also talked about the specific part of ministry, the clarity of ministry. We must be clear and James, in this case, the leader of the early church along with Peter, but James is speaking here in this in the section of verses and he is articulating in a very clear way that they heard the concerns of the church at Antioch. They met together. They prayed together. They talked about it as leaders. And through the power and the leading of the Spirit of God, they came to this clear conclusion. They addressed real issues with real Spirit-filled answers. What, what happens in, in the church sometimes today when real issues come up? Sometimes they're just avoided. Sometimes they're just glossed over with uh, just you know lofty platitudes that really don't have any bearing or effect on anything. And, and it's real easy to just sort of go there and not really deal And I love this example of the early church that they dealt with the hard issues, but they dealt with them in such a way that they were unified. We see that very clearly. They they had one mind. They came to the same conclusion based upon being filled with the Spirit, being led by them. And this was the conclusion that we cannot make it difficult for anybody, including the Gentiles, to be saved. We shouldn't put an obstacle in their path. Salvation is by faith alone in Christ. And so the clarity of that message what came through, that is part of effective ministry. And so that brings us up to where we are going to be today. A couple more areas that will really be a blessing to the community as we are effective ministers of the gospel of Christ. What does that look like? I want to look at a couple of them, but I want to start today. You're saying, I thought you did start like 10 minutes ago, but no, now we're officially starting. I want to start today by just imagining in our own uh, minds just a hypothetical situation. But I think a situation that probably is is something that happens uh, week to week. How many people, as you look around, how many people that you know in the community aren't here today? A lot, right? A lot. What are they doing? Well, they're doing all kinds of things. They're sleeping in. It's their day off. They need to get rested up. They uh, had plans to go visit some family or friends, so they're getting ready to do that. They had some projects at home that needed their attention, cleaning out the garage and, and uh, getting caught up on the things that they had left on the back burner. And, and all those things, the, those things that I, I gave, as you just imagine, and of course, and many other people are going to other, other churches as well. So this is not the only church that people can attend, understand that, we're not saying that. But my thought is this, as we think of those in our community and North Lincoln and, 
and Raymond and Seward and the, the surrounding smaller communities around Malcolm. Think about all these people and all the things that they're doing. Some are going to other churches, but many are doing the things that I just said. Are those bad things that I said, by the way? No, they're not bad. But now think about this. What if, instead of us as a church, as followers of Christ, accepting or, or just allowing that to continue on, well, that's just the norm in society that people do that and they have their plans and they are, they're their own person and they can do their own thing, which they can. What if we decided prayerfully to say, God, would you help us because those people that are doing these other things that they're doing on, on Sunday morning instead of being here, they're missing out on, on such a tremendous blessing in their lives. What if we would decide as a church to say, God, would you help me to be effective as a minister of Christ, to, to relate to other people, to tell my neighbors that, that for whatever reason have other priorities on Sunday, to communicate with them in, in some way that you would use me to, to help them to see that them coming here and being plugged in and, and maybe getting to know Jesus and coming to faith in Him if, they, if they've never put their faith in Him and, and deepening and growing in Him. Could you help me to communicate that to them where they would long for that, where they would be interested enough to darken the doors and to say, yeah, this is actually not a bad idea. This, this could actually be a priority in my life instead of all the other priorities of my life because effective ministry will do that. If we're just going through the motions, if we're just sort of pushing uh, the repeat button on ministry from week to week and just doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, you know that's insanity. If we want different results, if we want growth, if we want maturing, if we want deepening, if we want, if we want people to be saved, do we want that? Do you want your neighbors to be saved? And why, why do we continue to just do the same things? And I'm not saying the things that we're doing are wrong. So keep doing the things that we, are, that we know are right. The things that God has shown us over these past 31 years. But is there things that we're not doing as well that we can do better for the glory of God? So that in this scenario our friends and our neighbors and, and strangers, instead of missing out on what God has for their lives, just going through the motions of life, turning on the TV and wasting another day, that they could be here and find family and find community and find relationship and find forgiveness and fr find freedom from shame and guilt at the cross of Christ. That is what people need. That is what you and I need. And so with that in mind, I want us to consider effective ministry. We talked about that it's with authority, it's for everybody, it's with clarity, and, and also it's with sacrifice. And I want you to look at verse 26. If we are going to be effective ministers, if this church is going to be effective, then it must be sacrificial. I want you to jump down to the letter in Acts 15 and verse 26. And so this is the, the letter that was written. And in the middle of this letter, this is what James said. He, he was reading it. Luke pinned it down. So notice what it said in verse 26. Talking about those that were going back to Antioch. 
and, and these were the leaders. These were the ones that ministered to the church at Antioch. These were the first missionary, journey, uh, missionary sent out by the church at Antioch, Barnabas and Paul. And did you know, and most of you probably did, but did you know the, the characteristic of what James described Barnabas and Paul like? Barnabas and Paul who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Servants of Jesus, true servants of Jesus always have this quality. They're willing to risk their lives for Jesus. A phrase that has been thrown around in in recent years maybe longer than that, but being all in, totally committed. Are you all in? Are we as a church all in? Barnabas and Paul were all in. There was no holding back. They weren't keeping anything in reserve. They risked their lives for the name of Jesus. They cared more about Jesus and those that need Jesus to come to Jesus than their own lives. Can this, the same be said of you and I? Are you, am I, all in? Effective ministry demands sacrifice. It cannot be accomplished without sacrifice. When you see people trying to serve the Lord in their comforts, in their ease, in whatever comes naturally, you see an ineffective, fleshly empowered, not spirit-led attempt of ministry. Sacrifice means that we give up everything about what we can bring to the table and we give everything to God and we say, God, You do it. It's not about me. It's about what You want to do. And so we allow Him to accomplish it. I don't want you to mistake something here. You see the phrase there, who have risked their lives. And as you go back into the the first missionary journey, we talked about this, uh, Acts 14, verse 19, and other places. Uh, That's where Paul was stoned, right? And they thought he was dead. And then he got up and continued on. This happened literally with Paul and Barnabas. They risked their physical lives time and again. I love later on in Acts, uh, Paul giving an account of, and in, I think in some of the epistles, he gives accounts of all the times that he suffered for Christ. It's amazing. What a tremendous reminder of what God allowed him to go through for his glory. But I want us to think about this because we get our, our, our thoughts, uh, this, this is where our American minds go. Uh, we are very um, noble and we are patriotic and we say, and I think that we say it wholeheartedly and, and uh, without any kind of pretense, I am willing to die for my country. 
I am willing to die for others, to lay down my life for my brothers, for my friends. And that is a very noble uh, belief and a very noble will to, to say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to give up my life, to risk my life for my family, for my country, uh, for the Lord. And, and so we can look at it in that vein, and that's good. That's important. But in America... We live in a, a free society and free religion, and we are not at risk for death, for stoning, because of claiming the name of Christ yet. Yet. History would tell us that that day most likely will come. But in the meantime, does this verse really not apply to Americans? It surely applies to other believers around the world. So what, is it, what does it mean to you and me? Sometimes we, we say that we're willing to risk our life and to give up our life for others. But yet we're not willing to give up our comforts. We're not willing to give up what suits us. We're not willing to give up our preferences. For others, for Christ. You see, risking our lives and the way that we operate could be much more defined rather than being fearing of being stoned to death. It could mean that the, my daily routine and my lifestyle, and even what I'm doing here at church, I am giving up what I desire for what God desires. Let me give you an example. I can hang out with the certain group of people that sit in the same local area of, of my section of the, the church, and I can have conversations with them because I'm comfortable with them, and we have similar likes, and we can catch up on what we've missed out on, and that's comfortable, and it's nice, and that's good. But there are times in effective ministry that it demands sacrifice to get my butt up out of the pew, go out there, find someone that I don't know, and start talking to them. Find out what's going on in their life. That sacrifice, because that gets me out of what I want to do and what makes me comfortable to what God wants to do and what would best minister to that person that came through the doors. Do you see how sacrificial ministry is? And do you see how lacking we as human beings are? Because we want to do what's comfortable and I am so inspired by people that it is their intent to go find someone new, to go find someone that's hurting, to go find someone that they don't normally engage and go engage them and say, I love you and say, how are you doing? And talk to them and make them feel welcome and apart and be Jesus to them. Effective ministry demands that we sacrifice what we want for what God wants. Effective ministry, going to verse 31 now, as we wrap up this letter, the letter is concluded, and so now Luke is giving the account of these leaders, Silas and Judas and Barnabas and Paul, now going back from Jerusalem to Antioch and delivering the letter. And so now ministry continues. And so we saw the shape of it. We, sh we saw the answers to the questions dealing with those problems. And now we're going to take them. We're going to take this message and we're going to go and minister to these 
these people, these believers in Antioch. And so notice what it says. As they gather the group together, this is a great example of local uh, assembling of yourselves. The church at Antioch gathered together in verse 30, and then they listened to the letter that was delivered from the church at Jerusalem. Notice verse 31, and there, and there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. The church in Antioch was edified. It was built up. You see, ministry that is effective will always be for edification. If ministry is simply about a show, if ministry is simply about me or what I can do or me displaying my gifts and everybody look at me, then that's not ministry. You see, ministry is about edification. It's about me using gifts to build you up. It's about you using your gifts to build others up. Gifts are not for you. They're for others. And so we see this model uh, being very clearly demonstrated that Judas and Silas, Barnabas and Paul, were using their gifts and by proxy through the letter, uh, James and Peter and the rest of the, the leaders were using their gifts to encourage, to build up the church at Antioch. You look at the joy that was uh, expressed there. When you have an encouraging, let's just say this, when you get good news, how many of you like to be the first one to hear the great news and then you have the privilege of telling everybody else? Anybody enjoy that position? Yeah, some of you do. The rest of you are liars. We all like to be the ones to hear that good news first, whatever it is. It could be something, hey, did you hear the, the teacher's sick today and we don't have that test? Woohoo! No, no offense to the teacher that was sick, but, but we, we love to have good news to be the bearer of that. Hey, guess what? I love doing that to Anika. I'll, I'll come in and I'll act all excited. Hey, guess what? And she gets all excited and she's like, oh, this is going to be really good, and then I tell her whatever it is, and it's very disappointing, and it's not nearly as exciting as I made it out to be. But it's fun to be the bearer of good news. So these leaders, Judas and Silas, Barnabas and Paul, were the bearers of good news. For the edification, the edification, we don't necessarily use that word too much today, but it means to build up, to encourage, to lift up, to mature, to strengthen to come alongside, to say that you're not alone, all those facets uh, with other believers. And so that is our role. That is your role. And see, we have got this way out of whack in the church today, just in, in general. The church and the mindset and the attitude of many people that come through the doors is what can I get out of church? And if I am not getting what I need out of church, then I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. Instead of this mindset, God, how can I encourage Sean today? How can I minister to Sammy today? Whatever it is. We're looking for opportunities to pray for someone. I don't even know that person's name. And and so I'm going to go find out who they are. And God, use me to build them up. You see, when we have that mindset, then it isn't about me. And it is about others. And then that's when beauty takes place in the body of Christ. That's when a church feels welcoming and warm because you walk through the doors and the atmosphere is, it isn't about uh, people being selfish. It's actually about people wanting to get to know you and encourage you and pray for you and, and talk with you and share Christ's love with you. And you do the same thing. 
for the edification of the body. Some of the highlights of edification there in verse 31 are joy and encouragement. Notice verse 32, the edification continues. Judas and Silas being, uh, both being prophets. Notice this, they spoke at length to the believers encouraging and strengthening their faith. Edification is the strengthening and the encouragement of their faith. If you, don't go, if, if you can't go away from, from hearing a, a message preached or Sunday school time or the singing or the fellowship of interacting with other believers, if you don't go away with joy and encouragement and strengthened in your faith in some way, then you need to ask that question, why? Is it something going on in your own heart that you're blocking that you're not receiving what God has? Or is there something lacking in, in either the, the pastor's message or the teaching or the attitude of the church, whatever it may be? Because this is the model. This is effective ministry that this should be our desire. Real quick, I want you to jump over to Ephesians 4 and, and probably one of the classic uh, passages. So just a couple of books over basically the middle of your New Testament. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4, and he's talking about using uh, their spiritual gifts. And so he's talking about just the different giftings that different people have, but the intent is in verse 12. And so the gifts that are through Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that's some of the gifts. But notice verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, to build up or to edify the church, the body of Christ. Go on, verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and a knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed, blown around by every wind of doctrine and teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies, even though it sounds like the truth. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head, the body, the church. That's a, an example of what edification does. What does edification do? Well, you could term it another way. In my opinion, you could call it discipleship. You could say this is the implementation of the Great Commission going into all the world and making disciples to tell others about Christ. They come to faith in Christ and now we need to encourage them and teach them and deepen them so that they're not children, immature spiritually and being tricked by deceptive people like the church at Antioch, a young set of believers that was being deceived by certain people that were Judaizers telling them that they needed to keep all the law in order to be saved. They were deceived. And so here's the clarity, here's the, the correction, and now the edification here. This is what is true, and let's encourage you and build you up and strengthen you in your faith. Is that taking place? Effective ministry must be about teaching God's Word and building one another up, speaking the truth. 
strengthening them in their faith. There are so many churches, and probably at times uh, we're guilty of this as well, people will get saved or they'll come here being a new believer or a young believer, and they will continue to stay a young believer. Why? Because we're not doing our job. Because we're not connecting and deepening and encouraging and using our own gifts to build up the body. We're not teaching. We're not discipling. And that's one of the prayers that as leadership that we have here, that we would be more effective in our discipling, in our training, in our deepening, so that no one would would ever leave here or spend 30 years here and be the same as they were when they first came here. What, What a terrible awful description if that were the case. If you are the same person that you were 30 30 years ago spiritually, then, then there has been something that has drastically gone wrong. Effective ministry is with sacrifice. It's with edification. One sidebar note. I, I thought this was interesting. Notice verse 32 uh, Judas, Silas, they were both prophets, so they, they had the gift of communicating God's Word. And, and notice this. I think it's sort of interesting that Luke was led by the Spirit of God to say this. They spoke at length to the believers. Um, the New American Standard says that they spoke, they, they had a lengthy message. I think that's sort of interesting. I sort of model my ministry after that. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, um, I think that's interesting. They didn't just say a few words. They didn't just speak for uh, a, a little sound bite, a couple minutes, but they spoke at length. Now, we can take that however we need to take it, but the point is that it, time is involved, and that means that we come and we are taught, and then we come back and we're taught more, and we allow God to accomplish His work. Now, with that in mind, I want to wrap things up, and you'll see that there's one more point, and I am going to not uh, address that point in verse 36 today. Um, I want to keep that for next week and tie it into the second missionary journey uh, where Paul and Silas uh, begin the second missionary journey. So we'll talk about the the realities of that, what takes place in these verses where Barnabas and Paul uh, split up and go in different directions and the ramifications and the reasons for that. But as we close today, as we think of effective ministry, what does it look like for you and I to be effective? What does it look like for this church to be effective ministers for Christ so that this church can be more impactful in the community? What what should it look like? Well, we've already talked about some of the details of that. Let's make it more personal. Let's make it more practical as we close. What does effective ministry look like this week? Sometimes we get so far down the road and this year and five years and ten years that we lose sight of what we can do this week. And so we do nothing. What does effective ministry look like this week? Let me just uh, sort of go back to what we talked about. Who's the authority in our lives? Is the Word of God the authority of our lives? Is the Spirit of God leading us as the authority of our lives? Does God rule 
And does God's Word rule your life? You see, effective ministry must start there, and so it starts personally with you and your own relationship with God, looking to the Lord, not your own strength, looking to His guidance, not your own thoughts. Who's your authority? Secondly, who are you praying for this week? For their salvation? Maybe for an opportunity to to talk to them and invite them to church? Who are you specifically praying for this week? Someone that isn't here, someone maybe that has never come here, it's been a long time that they've come here, whatever the case may be, but you know they're not really going to a church that's teaching the, the Word of God and, and you, you have a burden, the Lord's laid a burden on your heart. Pray for that person and then pray for an opportunity to connect with them and to not only invite them to church. Sometimes inviting them to church is a great thing, but sometimes it's a cop-out because God wants you to say much more than say, hey, would you like to come to church? God wants you to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus right there. He wants you to tell them uh, about Christ and what, what He has done for you and sharing your testimony and sharing the plan of salvation and, and encouraging them, finding out where they're at and then speaking truth into their lives way before you even invite them to church. So, Specifically this week, if effective ministry is going to take place, you should be praying for one or more than one person in their walk with the Lord or their need to come to faith in Christ. As we talked about sacrifice, what are you willing to set aside in sacrifice for others to be drawn to Jesus? For God to be glorified in your life through sacrifice. Are you willing to set aside things in your life and comforts and preferences for Christ? And if you're willing, would you be willing to ask God, God, what are you asking me to to set aside so that I can not be distracted with that, so that I can be consumed with what you're asking me to be consumed with? You see, we're consumed with all kinds of other junk, aren't we? We're distracted all the time on so many levels. God, we... Would you call me to sacrifice what I am consumed with so that I can be consumed with something that really matters for eternity? And as we think of edification, how can you encourage and build up and deepen someone this week? Maybe it's just a kind word. Maybe it's a thoughtful text that you send, say, hey, I'm thinking about you and praying for you. Maybe it's coffee with someone. Maybe it's even just a a kind smile to a stranger. How can you be an encouragement to someone this week for God's glory? All these things are the part of us being effective personally in our ministry for God's glory. And the more that we do that, the more this church will look like that. And the more this church looks like that, those that we don't know that come through those doors, they will all of a sudden... By the Spirit of God, they will get the impression very clearly that they are loved and welcomed and apart. And they will want to make this their home to belong to this family for God's glory. Father, we thank you for your word. We give you the praise for it. We thank you for the instruction of it and your spirit leading us in it. And we just ask that you would just work in a spirit-empowered way in each of our lives. God, we confess that we are are so fleshly and we like things our own way and we like to do things the way we like to do things. And sometimes, God, I know that you have called us to do things differently and maybe even um, 
in a way that seems contradictory to what we what we think is right or what we think is comfortable but would you just have the freedom to speak to our hearts through your word through your spirit and that we would be willing to be your faithful sacrificial servants that you can use us for your glory that this ministry that this church that what you desire to do and accomplish in people's hearts and lives, you can use us to be a part of that. So we thank you, God, for what you are going to accomplish. Start in our hearts, but help us to be thoughtful of those that need you, Jesus. And we give you all the praise in, in your son's name. Amen.